This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome back, sports fans, to another episode of the Jetty Stripe Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Los Angeles. For those listening at home, on the road, in the air, or in the water. Do you believe? We have a great show for you guys today. We have Muggsy Bogues joining the boys. So get excited because here we go. Three, two, one. We're back. We sitting here. I supposed to be the franchise player. And we in here talking about practice. Maybe it's the charity stripe. Hit your free throws because they have uh, re. So 307 coming hot at you guys and so 306. And I'm joined on this one by Alex Toss from the Rocktosopolis, Nikki Snacks, Kreider. And of course, as you heard and you'll hear again, Muggsy Bogues. Just so you guys know, I went back and made some changes. There is no episode 305. Just 306 and 307. So 305 remains... <laughs> Remains unused un- until a certain someone cracks open a Dr. Pepper and hops on the mic with us. Exactly. Nice. 23 flavors uh, yeah. for Venti Tres. You remember that Super Bowl commercial with Dr. Pepper that Pitbull did way back when? Mm-hmm. One of our boys is having a little sweet on his podcast, by the way, which is hilarious. Um, I thought that was really funny. Which is Justin Gardini or Gigori Garani, whatever his name is. Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> the guy, no, the guy, the guy who came in second to Kelly Clarkson in American Idol season one. I, to be honest, I wasn't a big. I watched, but like, I wasn't glued to the TV watching. It I was like kind of like on in our household. None of us were really into it. We kind of just watched to watch. We were until Taylor Hicks won, and then we're like, this is an absolute joke. See, that name means nothing to me. I know like the big, the big hitters. We've got Kelly Clarkson, like you just mentioned. Yeah, um, Daughtry. David Archuleta. Yeah. Right? David Hernandez as well. Our boy. Our, our boy, Hernandez. Uh, but the, outside, of, who are the other like people that are famous? Kelly, uh, um, Carrie Underwood. Oh, yeah. Kelly Pickler. Um, Chris Daughtry. David yeah. Cook. Chris David Daugh- Cook. David Cook. Adam yeah. Lampert, who's the goat. Really Lampert, the goat. know him. Yep. But realistically, Chris Daughtry is awesome. He's the guy that lost Taylor Hicks. Look up Taylor Hicks and you'll realize why people stopped watching and where the internet, that's when the internet, that's when people I mean, it's still, taking things it's seriously. still going, going strong. It's it's revived itself. It became a, that was a joke. When They've got a out. nice cast of characters who are uh, hosting now. Katy Perry. I love her. Lionel, you don't like Lionel Richie? Totally like him. Luke Bryan. Great guy. Seems like. Who See? do you like more, Luke Bryan or Blake Shelton? Shelton. Luke Bryan, Blake Shelton, or Dirks Bentley? Uh, Blake Shelton. Shelton. Yeah. You're a fan. Yeah, I like Shelton a lot. I like Adam Levine the most. You like Levine more than Shelton. I like Cal the most, honestly. Who? Simon Cal. Oh, Simon. Simon. Big fan is. Um, also a big what fan about of Alfred and Theodore. Alfred and Theodore. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, what was they doing? I actually do a pretty good. Do it. I movie. feel like you did. I've heard. I, of well, my voice is kind of high, so Wait. I can. I can. Yeah. My voice is shot to shit. Me and my buddy Brian Christensen, when we were in seventh grade, did an Alvin and the Chipmunks performance in front of everyone. That's awesome. When uh, everyone was in Colorado for like a, a hiking trip, and we there was like a talent show, and we we <laughs> squatted down, put our sweatshirts over our knees, and sang the the Christmas Alvin and the Chipmunk song. We used to bully a kid. I don't really know. I don't, like like we, I guess we thought it was funny or like we just had high pitched voices so we could do it. Yeah. But I I don't know how everyone else thought about it. I mean, it doesn't <laughs> really should, matter. You should go take a straw poll. Um, <laughs> if you had to bet, what would you say? And where would you bet? I would I would bet opinions. I would bet <laughs> on betonline.ag, um, the, the online sports book sports book that you have to go to because yeah. it's because it's bet online and it's no it's got choice. all the the player props that you need um nba season in full swing obviously we talk about some of that with with mugsy um you and i had some interesting conversations about the all-time the the current nba of the current nba all-time points leaders obviously lebron is like I didn't uh, get it. you know way higher than anyone else but i i tried to i quizzed you and i asked you if you could guess the top 20 and you got all you got 19 of them except you didn't get Rudy Number Gay. 11, who is Rudy Gay, and he's got like 16,000 points. Shame. Another thing that you can't bet on, but if you could, you would bet on this at betonline.ag, um, is you would, is who is the, what two players are ahead of Andrew Wiggins on the all-time current players list who are younger than him? Ooh. There's only two. That's crazy. Which is crazy, which... I know we rag on Andrew Wiggins all the time, and I don't he think you, st- you still should because it's every other part of his game and his ability to win. Um, and he never developed. That's but only Giannis and Anthony Davis are younger than him and higher than him on, on that list. AD is exceptionally high on that list. He's 21. Which is crazy. Yeah, it's wild. 
That is, he's a dominant force. And Boogie was really high. And Boogie's he, like 28. And he barely played. Yeah. He's the best offensive big. I stand by it. Um, but go to betonline.ag. And without further ado, we want to get into it. So here is Muggsy Bugs with the Cherry Stripe Boys. All right, you heard it in our introduction. We have one of the funnest players in NBA history joining the show today. We got Muggsy Bogues with the boys. Muggsy, how you doing, man? Pretty good, pretty good. Like you guys' backdrop, man. The backdrop is pretty awesome. Yeah, we have some cool. We have the Sonics backdrop. That was around when they're gone now, but they were there when you were playing, man. Absolutely, man. The Sonics boy, the Gary Payton and the Sean Kemp's of the world. Yeah, bring. I don't get why they left. I want Seattle basketball back, man. I miss that Ray Allen, Rashard Lewis. They were high-flying three-point shooting. It was so fun, man. Uh, they got to be the first team to come back when they do an expansion, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, them, I think it, when they do, it'd be two teams that will be coming in, and I think Seattle and probably Vegas will be considered. Right, that makes the most sense. Yeah. yeah. After they saw Vegas works in hockey, I think everyone was worried about the gambling and the partying, but it's worked in, it's worked in football and it's worked in hockey. Like, all right, we'll try basketball. Yeah, well, you know, we had the All Star game there once before, and uh, and that was a pretty, you know, seen it right there. Uh, a lot of guys, uh, you know, I think they was mentioning it possibly may not go back. All Star may not go back to Vegas, but you know, that's how much fun that's, that's how much fun people have in Vegas. You know, it's a memorable place. Yeah, I think sure. I, I think it's funny they do the summer league there. It's like let's let's get these guys who aren't all the young guys who, who aren't twenty one and, and get them in Vegas <laughs> and see what happens. Tell them to play basketball and only play basketball. Yeah, it's probably like one of those moments where it's like, all right, you know what? Maybe we'll show them Vegas when they can't go out and party, so they won't be inclined to go later and do it. Yeah. Well, at least gambling is legal now. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. They can go, they can, anyone can go on DraftKings and kind of throw it down. Uh, you're covering the Hornets now. You have a Believe in Hornets show on the network. Uh, we want to talk about the team, but first, got to know, what made you jump back into media? You were in coaching post-career, but now you're in media. What prompted that for you? Well, I mean, I always love talking about the game of basketball, and anytime I have an opportunity to do so, you know, I'm always – you know, front and center for it. Um, but it was just, you know, I guess COVID created a lot of opportunities where guys are being home, you're not as moving as much. And what's, you know, what's happening now, so a lot of things have been virtual, a lot of things have been mostly uh, through the internet um, aspect and realms in that space. So, you know, I decided I want to get back in it. And when they asked me what I kind of get my, my guy, my partner, Sam, asked me what I want to do a podcast about the Hornets. And of course, with the team they have now, I mean, it, it's an excited time to be, you know, talking about Hornets basketball. So I, I Very much. Back. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought the team was not going to be good. I'm a Celtics guy. I'm, I am. I'm a Celtics guy. Hayward looked like a shell of himself. He just looked, he wasn't on the court enough, but he's been great. And obviously the big guy is LaMelo. We know now in the, nowadays in the NBA, you kind of need that star. You always have needed that star to really carry a team. It's a short time we've seen him, but do you think he could really be that guy? Is he a Steph? Is he an MJ? Or is he like more of a Scotty or a Clay kind of deal? Well, I don't think he's neither none of those guys. I mean, he's a, a talented player within his own right. Mm -hmm. And I think the upside to him is, is, is very high. You know, he, he reminds me more of a Penny Hardaway and a Jason Kidd type. You know, the height-wise with Penny, uh, able to – to you know, get to the basket, that sort of thing, but the passing ability and the vision that Jay Kidd has. Um, so he has a really bright side of him to where he could be a really hell of a heck of a player, I should say. 
um, because he's so young. He sees the floor, I mean, with the best of them. His vision is, is, is impeccable. Um, he has a great feel for the game, and it probably could come from him already playing professional basketball over overseas one year, giving him that, you know, that comfortability when he's been on the floor. But And I like what the Hornets are doing with him. You know, they bring him along slowly. They're not just throwing him out there to the wolves. Um, he's still averaging about 24, 25 minutes. And um, he got his first start the other day, and they wish they wanted it to a win. But you can just see him, as you mentioned, Haywood, the, the the joy, but only so the complimentary that they bring with one another. Because Haywood, he can create his own shot. Yes. And he's a and he's a veteran that can kind of you know give those guys some space to where it ain't so much pressure on them. Because you're dealing with a bunch of young guys still with uh, Devontae Graham, you know, being considered, you know, most improved player last year, mm-hmm. one of in, in consideration. And then Paul, uh, Miles Bridges and P.J. Uh, Tucker. So these guys are young and they developing. And you didn't want a vet that came in and kind of, you know, stepped on that, kind of trampled on that growth, allowed them guys to still be in and fit in. And I think that's what Hayward brought to the organization. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the best parts about Hayward's game, and you saw it in Boston, he just is so good at contributing to the flow and not taking over and allowing other guys to play within themselves and controlling the ball movement so well. The ball moves so nicely when he's on the court, and it's something you're, you're missing in Boston, honestly, right now watching the game. There's too much pressure on the two the two main guys. There's not a great flow. When he, when he wasn't in the playoffs, you saw that they fell down to the heat. I think it's a really good guy to have with all these young guys around him. Um, and we're even seeing guys like Malik Monk kind of come to fruition. Uh, he had a really good game the other night. Do you yeah, think, and the overtime one, he had a big game. Yeah, he had a huge one. Do you think, though, like everyone was really quick to write him off? Are we too quick to write these young guys off? Like They don't perform well in the first two seasons. Everyone's like, oh, they're done. Are we too quick to and do that? Absolutely. And uh, the, the, the true general man is understand the process of a young player. You know, every player normally takes about three years to really understand the game. That's when you really come into your own. Um, some players have a little more, you know, quicker development than others, um, you know, like the Michael Jordans and, the, you know, the all-star guys in the, in the world, LeBron James, these guys came in. You know, they were able to sustain it and uh, and become, you know, that player early on. But majority of the NBA players, you know, it takes them that three years to really understand and come into their own and become that player that everybody thinks they can become. And that's where the potential factor comes in at. Uh, and they writing off a lake. I think they are writing them off a little too soon. Um, you know, he's right now, it's, he's, you know, there's always situational, you know, opportunities for these guys. And the situation that, you know, he's in now is basically, you know, he's the odd man out because of Melo and, and Rozier and uh, Devontae Graham and as well as Haywood came along. So that kind of pushed him aside. He was having a pretty decent season last year before the incident happened with him. And he just brought back, and then, you know, when the opportunity presented itself, you know, being a professional as he is, you know, you just got to stay that. You got to stay engaged. You got to stay in tune because when your numbers call, they expecting you to perform. They don't yeah. care about what you haven't done and what you didn't do. It's about what you can give me today. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's somewhat of an issue? I mean, when you were playing, guys stayed three, four years in college. Guys are coming out. Like a guy like Malik Monk – probably maybe could have benefited from another year or two of seasoning. Even some guys like Wiggins, who was the number one pick, and obviously you can't stay in school at that point. But we're seeing some maturity issues. We're seeing some issues where his game didn't develop like it should have. Do you think guys are coming out too early? Do you have a problem What's with what you've done? 
Well, it's, it's a different era now. It's a different era. You know, back when we played, majority guys stayed at least three years. I mean, not only, I mean, three years or more, four years for the most of them. Um, so, you know, guys weren't really coming out during early time uh, during their college careers. But it's a different time now. But, and you got to warrant these guys. You got to understand these guys. When you consider to be top one, two, three, five, top 10 lottery pick, you know, and where their backgrounds and where, you know, they come from, you know, that's something that hard to pass on, mm-hmm. you know, right. because those it's a lot of money, they'll come around every life, you know, yeah. every so often, you know, who knows, you may get injured and then all of a sudden that just situation goes away from you. So when you have an opportunity to, you know, change the narrative of your family, you know, sometimes guys, you know, ready to jump on and jump in it quickly. And then they worry about the development and, you know, as they go forward, because, Keep in mind, it's still a business. Right. Yeah. You know, this is a problem uh, for uh, first and foremost, and it's all about what you can serve and what you can give to the organization. If you're not serving, you better believe you won't be part of that organization. They're looking to move you on and, and, and go elsewhere, as you guys know about this business. No, but, yeah, we've seen it all the time. To your point about Lamelo, I mean, it's a difference from him compared to some of the other guys he was drafted with because he did play professionally. So that level of competitive competitiveness obviously overseas is really, really high now. It's a lot higher than than what it used to be. Did you see that during your your career, like playing out as it was kind of happening? I know, you know, Dirk gets drafted in the late nineties. That's a huge impact and a huge influence on people going after those type of those type of players, those European players Sabonis. or just international players. Um, did you see that happening? And and what was like the feedback that the guys who were homegrown um we're, we're thinking about all these guys that were being brought in from abroad well one thing about you know basketball is is universal it's global you right know, it's talent is where you came from you know back when we played we had those european players we had the deadly shrimp right we had the Sabonis, you know we had the marcelonas and those guys so in the Vladi d box so it started the stage and that where you know you understood that the basketball talent pool was everywhere and the NBA was going to locate that type of uh, talent. And, uh, but it, what it did, it just added more for the league. It just expanded the league and it gave a lot of kids around the world a dream, which they probably never had an opportunity to think about playing a game of basketball, you know, because some of these countries, you know, basketball is definitely not the first sport yeah. in the country. And um, so it, it takes a whole change and it takes someone to look like them to say, gosh, I want to play sports. I want to play basketball. You know, I believe I can I can be that player as well. So I think the NBA was smart enough to know that that's the direction they wanted to go. And they wanted to expand the lead and keep it to a point to where you are looking at the best talent in the world and you get an opportunity to, to witness it regardless of where they came from. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys have a lot of guys to look up to. I mean, now Luca, Giannis, they can look to those Dirks. They can look to the Shrimps. They can look to the, all the foreign players. Was there a guy, you're from Baltimore, was there a guy that you looked to growing up that kind of gave you hope that go, okay, he can do it, I can get there somehow too? Well, it just happened to be a guy in my neighborhood because there wasn't nobody in the NBA, you know, because when I looked at the small guy in the NBA, we had Charlie Chris, you know, Charlie Chris, you know, he he kind of fallen around a little bit, but Nate Archibald was the big guy. Him and uh, uh, Boyd Murphy, God, God. <laughs> Believe, uh, it just slipped my mind, you know. But Tiny was six one, so you know when I looked at him, he wasn't so tiny, so it kind of, you know, <laughs> hard to figure out. But then you know you had Calvin Murphy was you know at that era. Yeah. But I had a guy by the name of 
Greenwood. You know, he was in my neighborhood. He was small. Uh, he was very impactful on both ends of the floor. Um, and he knew how to steal the ball, like the best of it. And I kind of patted my game behind him a little bit. So I'll give him that little nudge because, you know, without seeing him doing it, I, don't, I probably wouldn't, you know, had that vision knowing that I was able to do that as well. Were games really that competitive in the Dome? Was it really like Rucker Park? Oh, that's what, I mean, you know, the Dome, that's where it all begins. You know, we, that's where you get your nickname. That's where you got your name, you know, the David Wingates, the Reggie Laws, the Russ, the late Reggie Laws, I should say. I mean, we had so many Sam Cassells. I mean, you go back all the way back from Kit Wise and, the, you know, then, of course, Mello and those guys and uh, they came along. But that's where the basketball, where, you know, you, you wanted to let everybody know you got gay. Yeah, you earned your stripes there. Yeah, and that's where the girls, everybody came in the girls. <laughs> oh, okay, now we now we get it. Yeah, now we know why it's so popular. That, that, that's what it was. You know, it's where everybody in the city came to watch a game take place under the dome. And uh, in Lock Re Recreation, which was our team, you know, we was one of the, the favorable teams that was out there because we had all the guys on the team. You know, me and Reggie Williams played with each other our whole young uh, childhood. Uh, mm -hmm. days. So uh, we had an opportunity to, you know, to explore and take on David Wingate and, and Reggie Lewis quite a few times. I, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of high school basketball teams that when they're looking at each other in the locker room, they say to each other, we're the best team, right? Like we're, yeah, we're special. We're the best team. We're better. We can beat anyone. If we do what we do best, no one can beat us. At what point when you were playing with your team, did you guys realize that not only was that kind of like the blind confidence that high schoolers have, but you got what it was a real a reality and that like that was the truth of it. Like there was nothing that could break the truth of that. Was yeah, there well, we had a type, our team, we had a type of team. We knew no one was going to come close to even competing with us. Um, and I think out of all of the games, I think the closest game we ever had was probably about five points. And the reason that happened is because uh, I think Reggie Williams fouled out as well as one of the other players. And then Reggie Lewis came in and uh, and really took over that game against one of them New York teams. And uh, I think it was against Kenny Hutchinson and obtained the guy from New York. Um, so it was uh, it was a sight to see. But every, from, from that moment on, I think that was the only team that we beat less than double figures because everybody else would beat them in double figures or more. Reggie Lewis coming off the bench is absolutely ridiculous. Do you yeah. – <laughs> I don't think people ever realize that. Do you um, – what do you think your team would have been like nowadays with social media? Do you ever think about that? I mean, that would have been scary. You know, here it is with all the attention, you know, that folks get on a, on social media now and being exposed to so many. I mean, it would have been a, a treat to be reckoned with because the type of talent that we had on that team. You know, we had four guys that go in the NBA, three went in the first round in 1987. So, um, and – not only that, we had the other guys that was on the bench. They all went to Division One school. Yeah. So that was a, a very talented team. And uh, and the way we used to use how to get recruited, we always knew that, you know, Reggie Williams, he was a big, big recruit at the time. He was the number one player in the country, mm -hmm. as well as Wingate, myself. And I was being recruited to somewhat. But I always felt like when the recruits, when them coaches came in the gym to watch our practice, you know, I got to make sure they leave out talking about me. So that kind of gave them aware that, hey, it's another guy that we might be looking at. So I always kind of use that as a recruiting tool for myself. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, what was... Of course, yeah, you got it. The recruiting process is crazy because you don't even necessarily have to go to the gym anymore. We can all just sit here and watch it on our phones, and they're, everyone's doing it for themselves, and the, the creation process of athletes nowadays is, is insane. I mean, when you were there, I mean, athletes started delving into the creative field. You have a nice television and movie resume of your own right. Um, how did that happen? We were looking at it. There was like a little thing on your Wikipedia page, just so you know, if you haven't seen it. There's like, yeah, here are Muggsy Bogues' TV and film appearances, and it's like a solid list. Is that something you're always interested in? No, not something that just came about. And uh, I'm just thankful that the opportunity that created itself, uh, especially doing the Space Jam and working with Larry David and Richard Lewis and those guys. And um, even with uh, Anthony Anderson, when I first did the uh, Hang Time, mm -hmm. when he first came in doing that. And I, I just had, you know, fun working with these people that and allowed me to be part of it. You know, Whoopi Goldberg and, you know, Joanna Man and those guys doing that stuff. So it was fun just to be part of something that, the, you know, that future film was that people, you know, get interested in doing. But I never really thought about doing it. But now, you know, I'm interested in get my my own story that's out there on the big screen. So we're working in that field right now and hopefully in the next. Oh, I would years. love to see that. That's amazing. How did your kids how did your kids feel when you were in Space Jam? Well, they was, uh, of course, they knew that I still had my powers uh, when they was watching it. Uh, yeah. They yeah, it makes like, yeah, it was, you know, but you know, they was younger, um, but they, they enjoyed it. You know, they were Space Jam's, uh, Looney Tunes uh, fans. They love Bugs Bunny. Tweet That's Bugs. awesome. And of course, uh, you know, Michael, with Michael Band in it, you know, they was all in all, they, they always been in all with Michael. So to see us, you know, doing a movie, you know, they was kind of, it, it was pretty special. Yeah, it's got to be pretty rewarding as a father to kind of give that back to your kids. Yeah, it is. It's nothing like it, you know. No other feeling that's assimilated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so but you but you did have to go to the court with them and be like, just just watch, just wait, just watch me. I I still got it. Don't worry, nothing nothing's wrong. Like I I can put it between my legs. Oh, I can put it behind my back and do all the stuff. That's that's oh, amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Movie was being, I mean, when that movie was really getting a lot of airtime when we first shot it, I mean, it was so ironic because the kids in my neighborhood, you know, they used to call me and knock on my door. And the kids always come and say, Muggsy, can you, you know, tell my wife, can Muggsy come out and play? Like I was a little kid, like, you know, they wanted me to come out and play with them. <laughs> um, so I had so many kids just knock on my door and just ask my wife, could I come out and play with them? And uh, it, it, that was the funniest thing that I kind of, you know, encountered. Mm -hmm. oh, how is it amazing. how important is giving back to the community like you know you go in the first round you're in the league and at what point you know you obviously have to kind of get acclimated yourself so you can kind of get your life sorted but at what point you know are you like okay now it's time to give back well i think everybody should give back to the community i think it's very important where you come from or what are you in to try to lend a helping hand to those that are less fortunate you know and i was fortunate enough to be in a position and I always told myself, if I ever have that opportunity, you know, I would go back and make sure that, you know, I promise what I said, get back to the less fortunate. And uh, because, you know, everybody needs a helping hand. You know, we didn't all get to where we are by ourselves. We always had someone that helped us along the way. And you got to understand that. And when you have that hum that humility understanding, you know, it just makes life that much precious knowing that, again, you're able to help another human being to be able to, you know, lighten their load, whatever that situation may be for that 
small time or whatever period that may be that you're able to do that for them and you know they're able to you know go on and try to better themselves as they can do as much as they can mm. no absolutely for sure how important was it to give back to the young guys on your team like you when you were in, when you were in the hornets you had lj come in and then you had alonzo morning mm. come in and you took they went to a 51 well, team yeah well that's that's what uh passing it forward is all about you know when i came in i had the late Manu Bo and the late Moses Malone, may they rest in peace, and Daryl Walker, guys like that, mm-hmm. that took me under their wing and taught me the ends and outs about the NBA. Because I tell you, the NBA is a business within its, in itself. It's a man's game. And you got to be prepared for when you're able to, you know, when you enter into the arena. Because, again, they don't care about what you're doing yesterday, what you did yesterday. It's about what you're able to do today. You know, even though you got a guaranteed contract, but your, your job is still much day to day. And having that information, and when those guys came in, I just wanted to make sure that they understood what this league was all about, to give them a, a, a full vision, a full view. Uh, and even though you're still getting information at early age, you still can't foresee it. Mm-hmm. But as long as that you understand it and you hear it and you can be aware of it, you know, you can see it when it when it hits your doorstep. And I think that's what I was able to do for those guys. And uh, and they always tell me thankful for that. And, you know, and that's that's what we do. You know, that's the bond that we have with each other. Yeah. You know, the the friendships that you, you build with each other. And, uh, and again, like you said, that's what our small fraternity NBA guys, you know, we understand that when, right. our players, when younger players come in the league. One of your teammates, Del Curry, had two young boys. Did you always – know and see that those boys would develop and become the players that they are today, you think? Well, we never saw them being the player they are today, but I mean, believe it or not, you know, Steph and Seth, around with my kids, you know, Mandel played 11 years together. You know, right. About 14 years in the league, we played 11 years, not here in Charlotte, two in Toronto. Um, and Steph and Seth and my son and daughter, they always been in the gym. They always loved the game and you know, folks see me giving him a little airplane ride in the in the locker room when he was young, you know, back in our playing days because he was always in the gym, you know, and always playing around with the basketball, shooting the ball. Um, even when we went to Toronto, you see him out there playing. And uh, then they, I think they saw, showed the scene with him and Vince playing one-on-one uh, out there on the floor when we was, you know, in, in camp. But Steph and Seth always had the knack of the game. They always have interest in the game. And I'm not surprised to see what they're doing. You know, really, really what Stefan has been able to do on that platform. You know, two-time NBA champion. Uh, I mean, uh, MVP uh, uh, award winner. Yeah. Uh, a, unanimous, a unanimous decision. Unbelievable wow, crazy. Yes, yes. And then you win three NBA. You got, what, you got three titles? Three titles, and yeah. Three, yep. Three titles. And another guy that we talk about who stayed in college. Yeah, the development. Stayed in, well, stayed in college, but because people didn't believe him, they felt like he was small, slender, skinny. Um, but till he performed in that NCAA, uh, showcased what he's really capable of doing. And they still didn't really um, a lot of what eleven teams passed over him, seven, eight, ten Six, teams. He was, he was the seventh pick. Uh, the the wolves, the wolves took, the wolves took Rubio, and they took Johnny, Johnny Flynn, Flynn ahead of him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he let <laughs> The Minnesota. Yeah, that's that's the all. You, yeah, the, the mm-hmm is all you need to say on that yeah, one. The Minnesota yeah. Timberwolves are. I can't even like Anthony Edwards has been solid, but watching Lamelo is just 
it's so important that a guy can create for others. And that's the thing about, like, everyone's like, oh, Steph's such a great shooter. He's also such a good creator for other people. Like, he does so much for Clay. And obviously, Clay's an amazing shooter in his own right. But the creation for others, like LeBron, ability to create for others. Like, you need a guy that can really, nowadays especially, create for other people. And if I'm the Timberwolves, I like what I see in Anthony Edwards, but I'm looking over there in Charlotte, and I'm like, no, that guy's already already averaging like seven assists a game. He's going to be a walking double-double next year. Yeah. And that's what I told everybody, you know. One thing about Melo, you know, again, he's a pass first, score second. And having that vision, having that feel for the game, making guys around you better, you have control of the game. He's going to grow with that. He's going to understand how to take over a game, you know, and how to continue to keep his foot on the gas pedal of the game because he's still young and he's still got that energy, but it's still, you know, so, um, I guess, it's so natural. It's not being really thought out. Right. But as he gets older and understand the impact that he creates and what he's able to do, you will start seeing the maturation of a star in the making. You're going to start to see, and you know, I, I don't want to put too much on him right now, but he will be in a star. He'll be an all-star in the next two years, uh, for sure. Oh, I, I agree with that for sure. Yeah. If, if not next year. Yeah. Um, no, he'll be an all-star. No doubt. Um, but, yeah, and the thing about him is a lot, it, it, it's his ability, for of course, he has to stay healthy, yeah. but his ability to continue to put understand the matter, too, of what he brings to the table. You know, because right now, I don't even really understand what he's doing. He's just playing basketball. He's just out there happy in the NBA. He's out yeah. there trying to win his thing and want that respect. But I, I don't think he really truly understands the impact that he has and that he can really, you know, display on a nightly, nightly basis because the ball is in his hand 85% of the time. Will it will, you know, once he be on that floor. And the ball moves. And that's one thing about the, the team. They average, what, 17 maybe mm-hmm. as a team. They share the basketball, and um, and that's going to be contagious. I think it's it's interesting that we we brought up Steph because I was talking the other day about Steph with with Josh, and I was saying this is obviously not an award that they give out, but to me, Steph is first team off ball. Like the movement that he has off the ball is what makes him such a valuable player. Obviously, his consistency from the shooting standpoint, he's the best perimeter shooter probably ever not three points made yet because he still has to pass ray but jesus shuttlesworth baby i'm hanging on to that he's he's on the track to do it and same thing with his teammate who's injured right now clay but i think that's what's so important and and the value behind a guy like gordon hayward is he can do so much without the ball he moves so well and and puts himself into position and Melo is just figuring out his game in the nba right now but he's going to be the guy that has the high usage rate. He's going to have the ball most often. So you need to put guys around him that are finding the right spots and are able to hit those threes, able to hit those shots and take over when they're asked to. And I think that I'm a big Dallas Mavericks fan, so that's kind of the same style of basketball that we play, that Luca, that Luca opens up for other guys. But um, it, it seems like that's a trajectory of a lot of teams. They're going for that, that bigger point guard, that 6'7", six, 6'8", six, guy who can facilitate, score for himself, but is a pass first guy. Do you think because this is kind of the most highly touted prospect that guys that are smaller are not get that are, are getting overlooked? You know, guys like Colin Sexton, who's six foot, guys like Kyle Lowry, right? And Van he's a six Vliet, foot. Yeah. Van Vliet, Chris Paul, obviously another weight guy like yourself. He he was a top five pick, but 
Do you think that the scouts are overlooking guys that are smaller now because they're so zeroed in on those type of like six, seven magic esque point guards? Well, I think, you know, they, you, 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 you tapping on something that's really, that's really on the forefront. Of a lot of the, the GMs I get quite saying a lot of the, it's a trend more so I think. Right. And, um, and they trying to create the bigger point cards. And the one thing about Melo, he's a natural point guard. And, right. you know, Luka, you know, he's not really a true point guard, uh, but he has the ability to create, to find others. Um, and the same with LeBron, but LeBron has more of a point guard mentality than, than Luka. And, and he's more of a, like a, like Melo, sort of a more, Melo is true, a true point guard. That really, that's what gives him this other edge for me in terms of understanding how to control and once he really developed that mindset, how to really attack and take over games with his ability of his vision, attacking, and just the pace of the game, you know, because tempo is always the, the, the control of the, the point guard. Mm-hmm. You know, we control the tempo of the game. We put, and I love the way he pushes the ball. Yeah. You know, he forces the tempo and he don't give teams time to set up. And, uh, and that's what allowed him to be able to do so many things. He, you know, he, he, he passes, the, he pushes the ball ahead as well as dribbling the ball ahead. So he brings so much to the, you know, so much to the table that what I want and when I'm witnessing and when I'm watching, you know, I can see, foresee some things that I know where he going to be um, years to come. And it's, it's a bright thing for the, for the Hornets to have, you know, and I told um, a gentleman the other day that, you know, it brings me back to our time when we were so exciting, when, it, you know, we became very, you know, uh, likable on the national level when I had the Lonzo and Larry Johnson. You know, we had that explosive, that, that fun team, everybody wanted to see. That's what Melo brings. And having mild bridges with the electrifying dunks that he's showing every night on Sports Center, then, you know, with Haywood doing what he does and, and of course, with PJ Washington and then TJ Rojo, T, uh, T. Roger, Roger over there, well, alongside with Javante Graham, and I uh, got to put Monk in there too. Um, Cody Zeller. But these are, is a fun team. Yeah. Fun team. It is a fun team. They like playing with each other. And, and you the, can see the excitement. Yeah. And they're also young too. They can grow together. It's a, yeah, it's, it's really great. I, I really like the roster they put together. And I think, you know, People are surprised, obviously, but they shouldn't be because they just they they work well together, and that's what yeah. you know is always going to uh, propel you to success. But th- it, are there guys that are coming into the league or in in past that have that are shorter that have come to you for advice as far as you know how do I how do I manage this? Because I don't think people understand unless they've really played basketball. Like these these guys that are in the NBA right now. They might be six five, but their wingspan is seven two. Like, for you to have played around that is so incredible. I just I I play basketball. I'm five I'm five eight in high school, and like it was difficult to make a pass around a six four wing. So like the fact that you were able to average seven plus assists is a tremendous feat, and I hope people respect that. But I just am interested in in hearing from your perspective on that. Yeah. Well, again, and 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 to get back uh, also about the question about the smaller guy being forgotten about the Kyrie Irvings and the yeah, uh, and the Kyle Lowry that were they will never be forgotten. Did you see the performance that Kyrie Irving put on the other day? In terms yeah. Of electrifying that team, but see, they're they, they only on a they're in a different uh, 
a different level, a different platform, I should say. You know, you compare a bigger guard to a smaller guard. Everybody have their own way of impacting the game. Right. You know, Kyrie is a champion at his side. You know, he's proven what he's capable of doing on, on, on the basketball team. Would he have a, a superb star alongside him? He showed what he's capable of doing. Kyle Lowry is a champion. You know, the, all these guys are 6'2", 6'3", 6'1". So it's nothing that you can take away from those guys and they being small. And Not at put, all. You know, I love what Saxon is doing up in Sacramento, you know, uh, and I love what uh, um, uh, young fella Colin Paxson is doing down in uh, Cleveland. Yeah. You know, Saxon down in Cleveland. Yeah. So Cox up, Cox up in Sacramento, I'm sorry. And then uh, um, I just uh, Colin, Colin, Yeah, Colin Saxon in Cleveland. Yeah. Saxon down in Cleveland. And he was you know, dynamite he was at the end of the game against the Nets. I don't know if you watched that game, but he was, he was unconscious. Absolutely. Un- unconscious. Not on that. He had that same game performance against the Hornets. So um, that's where you see, you know, these young guys because these other guys are going to get older. You know, they are right. getting older. The Kyrie Irvings and the Stephs, you know, they're not young anymore. The Westbrooks. So you need that other generation to come along that to continue to sustain it. The Damian Lillias. You know, you got to continue to mention those guys. But those, who's the next up and coming? You mentioned the Mellows, the Saxons. You know the cops. You know what I mean, and who knows what's going to, you know, happen with uh, uh young fellow. You know, with folks who were down in Orlando, he got hurt. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah it was unfortunate. God, yeah. he was just yeah. figuring it out too. That was so. Fr- it was... Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's unf- That's what it, I was telling. You. It takes a little time for these guys to figure it out. It takes a little years, even though he's the number one player drafted. Right. But you know they put him in that spot. He doesn't throw himself in that spot. So, uh, but it's uh, it's know. opened things up for uh, for Cole Anthony, who now can kind of take a step forward. I mean, obviously he's been around the league in a lot in a lot of different ways, similarly to to Steph and Seth. Um, certainly sponged up, I'm sure, because he's such a great basketball player. But you know, GA GA son CA now in there doing it. It's pretty awesome. It is. It is awesome, and uh, and that's what you love saying. And uh, but you know, uh, and uh, you got to mention another little one that's out there. That's um, that, that kind of really, I think, uh, still he, that made a long way back was John Wall. You know, look oh, what yeah. John Wall was able to do in terms of, you know, the people wrote him off, you yeah. know, because of the and so forth, and he come back and choke it. So the small guard is always going going to be around and considered. Yep, you got one in Atlanta too, Trey Young. Yeah. Trey. I mean, it's, there's a, there's a, there has to be something to be said about speed in the game. And it's a reason why people, I think, didn't like James Harden's game so much. Just because, A, from an aesthetic standpoint, he just slows down. And it's, like, bogged down. And it doesn't necessarily always work. Because if he can't break his guy down, it's almost a waste of possession. But whereas, like, you had the speed in your game. And that's why the Hornets were able to be successful when you were there. You know, the speed that Trey Young has. The speed that LaMelo brings, like, moving down the court. I mean, A, it's fun basketball, and B, just the up-tempo style works. Yeah, you can get easy buckets where you have, you have an advantage offensively on, on the defense. So I think there's, there's so much that's valuable about LaMelo's ability to push the pace. And clearly, he, he's watched a lot of his older brother because Lonzo does it really well, too. It's the most bizarre thing. Watching LeVar Ball like be himself and then looking at his son's games, and they're all pass-first guys. 
I was like, is this what kind of show is going on here? Because in your house, in out in the world, you're out of control and you make it seem like it's your family against the world. But in your house, clearly something's going on where there's so much sharing. You know, I'm sure at the dinner table with everyone sitting there like you eat first, you know, have this, have that. And they're giving me all the my plate's full before anyone's even had a biscuit kind of thing in the in, in the ball house, man. Yeah. Well, you, you got to credit. You got to credit pops. Pops created the brand. He credited that attention. He did. You know, even though the kids, you know, they they them they them they themselves. You know, they have their own personality, their own thought process, and so forth. And you know, now as they growing up, you know, I'm quite sure you know pops allowed them to be them, be the man, be their man, and allowed them to you know to, to take on their own uh career and responsibility so that's a great thing to see mm-hmm. um and uh from a family uh, like them you know that had so much attention early on uh but you know it's that's what family i guess that's what dads do you know we try to create things for our loved ones you know good or bad or whatever difference it may be mm-hmm. you know it's something worked well in that situation you know because you got two of them in the lead one was trying to crack into the lead and uh, and and just I have never met uh, Lamelo. Can't wait to meet him. But from what I've heard and what I've understand about him, he's a great young man uh, to be around. So yeah. uh, obviously they did a great job of raising him. Mm-hmm. How how exciting is it to see young guys have a voice nowadays? I mean, there's so in the past couple of years, everyone's like we've done away with the shut up and play. You see it in the NFL with Deshaun Watson. He's voicing his opinion now. It's been happening in the NBA for a number of years. How is how exciting is that for you? Is it that? Well, again, it's a different era, different times where now, you know, the platform that these athletes are on, they're really utilizing it. And they're speaking up, uh, you know, in handfuls. And a lot of guys are not just taking uh, that shut up or dribble or just shut up and play. Um, they got some skin in the game as well. And it's all about respect. It depends on what the situation is. And I don't know what's going on with the Sean Washington, but obviously something – you know, triggered to where last year, you know, they gave him $100 million, and all of a sudden he was saying all the great things. And, and now, you know, you take away your best receiver and, you know, the communication not there, this and that, and then he wants out. Uh, you know, respect is respect, you know, and right. guys deserve it. And you just want that from, from the, especially from the higher up, you know, mm-hmm. any type of communication and type of dialogue that take place, hopefully you guys can be on the same page. But, if, you know, if you agree to disagree, then that's okay too. But, at least you had that dialogue with one another as opposed to just going out doing what you want and then coming back and after the fact right. say and you you said something early on in the show that you know it's a business and for the players it is still also a business you know look Deshaun Watson still has his own brand to maintain he doesn't want to be on a sinking ship in Houston he wants to go off and win somewhere else and start fresh and then also these guys with voices you know gives them the platform to market themselves more it's a business still at the end of the day not just for teams but for players too that's exactly right. And you, I mean, can't say no better than that. Um, they have rights to, you know, be in control of their own destiny. And in his situation, I understand that he has a no trade clause in that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it depends on it. So that kind of gave him a little, a little leverage on where he wants to go. Definitely. Um, you, know, you never want a disgruntled player under your organization playing, especially the one that's leading that. And, um, and sadly that it got to this point, but, think for everyone i think for the for both sides they just probably need to move on and and yeah cut ties i mean the nba does it so well they did it with paul paul george wanted out of indiana they let him go 
Dwight wanted out of Orlando. They let him go. They, the NBA does a Harden, good job. Harden, Harden just happened. Harden, it happened in weeks. They do a good job of letting it not linger. And it's so crazy that, like, it, everyone always thinks of it management versus players, yet they're on the same team, which is just, like, so, like, I don't – the players should always as I'm getting older it's like you should do everything in your power to make your players happy cuz they are the ones driving the franchise that is just how I felt as I've gotten older and watched the game yeah well i mean it again you know everybody has a role to play everybody gets signed for whatever that job uh description is that you you, you know you signed up for and then when something crossed those lines, you know, if it could be emotional, it could be contractual, whatever the case may be, then I think the meetings of the mind need to come together and say, okay, it's time to move on, or what would we do? Um, so many things that goes on, and folks just drag everything on, and, and they make more than it really is. And again, it's a business situation. Um, coaches get fired, players get traded. Um, every day so when you bring in someone and especially you know someone that's going to be head of your organization to be the coach or it could be the gm or whatever and you dealing with the talent the player itself it got to be some dialogue it got to be some kind of way where we understand where we're going with it if not then you lost on both ends and right. who want to run a business that way mm -hmm. yeah totally 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 man yeah all right mugs we ask everybody yeah. The same question, all our guests, same question at the end yeah. of the show. What is your favorite sports memory? Could be from anything. Could be watching, you playing, anything at all. My favorite sport memory. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, my favorite sport memory. It got to go back to, uh, you know, I'm a boxing fan. I love Thomas. You know, I love uh, <laughs> Marvin Hagler and Tommy Heron. Yeah. That fight. That fight stood out. I mean, it, it still stands out for me. You know, those three rounds was unbelievable. I mean, the nonstop, the fighting, the hitting, the no ducking, the punches being taken, the punches being thrown. I mean, it was the ultimate fight that I have ever witnessed. So that always will stand out for me in terms of sports memorabilia. That is why I love this question, to be honest, because if you had asked me what your favorite sports memory, I think I would have probably come up with 150 and never even come close to that fight. That is, that's why you learn, that's some, awesome. you learn something new every day. Have you ever, Muggsy, have you ever boxed or sparred or anything like that? No. Well, never boxed. <laughs> I, I, I fought in fighting on the streets, but never in the ring. Did you and, see, uh, did you see your, uh, Fellow yeah. NBA man Nate Ro Nate Robinson, I knew it that's why you don't do it. But no, I saw it, and I and again, you know, I spoke on it on another podcast, and, and you know, Nate give him all the heart and the credit in the world for going in the ring to take on, you know, something like that. Uh, you know, like I said, we don't play uh, boxing; we play basketball, football, whatever case may be. But we don't play boxing. Yeah. You know, you got to go with some skill set. The man did get paid a lot, though. I will say. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I hope that that was worth it, you know. And it was <laughs> yeah. Something that he was to do, you know, you know, my pride would hurt more than anything. Right. Someone trying to knock me, knock me out, you know, because that's just who I am. You yeah. know, I think I could fight. You know, I think I could fight. But, um, you know, stepping in the ring, that's another ball. Game. Well, yeah. the, the whole part of it is that you're enclosed in the space, right? Like, 
smaller guys like us like we got to move around There's like no we running, we, yeah. we gotta we need like to get our distance then come get our punches in get out of there like no it's, jumping off the top rope but we can't do that yeah. but when you when you enclose that space it makes it 10 times more difficult yeah uh last thing i'll let you rock one word one word to describe your jersey being retired at wake forest Well, well, I'm happy it got to be too well deserved. That's love that. There it is. Love that. I love that. I love that answer. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's awesome, Muggsy man. Thank you so much for sharing some light with us and joining us today. We loved it, and hope to have you back soon. And everyone, go check out Believe in Hornets, man. The guy's doing some great stuff over there. It's an exciting team, and him and Sam are crushing it over there. Muggsy, thank you so much for joining, brother. Appreciate you guys. Y'all stay safe, man. Absolutely. You too. Great show. Great uh, show. Really, really awesome show. Love Muggsy. Yeah, it was really cool having him on. Super sweet. The first video game that I really got into was on my Nintendo 64, and it was NBA Courtside 1999 with Kobe Bryant on it. Um, and Muggsy was one of the players that I loved playing with because it was, it was such a treat to like play with a guy who reminded me of myself out there because when I played yeah, when I was growing right. up it's like I was a lot smaller than the other guys yeah. um and, and obviously he's tremendous talent I love looking up basketball players on basketballreference.com that's what I do all day and I my favorite part about it is their nicknames can you list all four of Muggsy's nicknames one of which is really really easy Muggsy yes because his real name is Tyrone it's Tyrone that's right um Silver bullet. No. Muggsy, Mugs, Apple, and Billy. <laughs> I like the Billy one. I yeah, Billy's great. That's awesome. Um, yeah, Muggsy. Do you think we'll have the cast of Space Jam on in its entirety first or the Dallas Mavericks championship team? Well, we're what would you we rather? only have we only need five guys for Space Jam, so it's yeah, a lot it's a lot easier to put together. Technically one of them is seems like a bit of a stretch. Which one? Uh oh wow so I guess he's not technically a part of the five. Mike? Yeah. No, he's not. He's not. Oh, he's, we could do it. He was on the opposite team. <laughs> we could do it. We could do it. Who was it again? It's so it's Sean Bradley. Sean Bradley. Good luck finding him. That's tough. Yeah. Ewing. Right. Somewhat doable, I guess. Sure. Charles. So Charles would be pretty difficult. We could probably get Chuck within the year. We're working towards it. Yeah, we're probably a year away from getting Chuck. Maybe a cross collab with Ernie and Chuck's pod that they do. Yeah, make him force the hand. I'm down for that. Yeah, LJ, I think was Larry Johnson. Yeah, that's right. Pretty, yeah. uh, yeah, just strictly numbers based. It's a lot easier to get those four guys now that we've got one of them compared to the entire Dallas Mavericks roster. Yeah, but once we get a couple of the Mavs guys, then it's just gonna boom, boom, boom. Yeah, bullet down. Who's the next? Uh, I I would love to talk to to JJ. That's what I thought you were gonna say. Yeah, I think JJ, KG, and Ray Allen. JJ's busy. JJ's playing abroad right now. He uh he's tearing it up. We should get him in the Euro leagues. Let's make it happen. Wish it into existence. And the fans out there, speaking of wishing things into existence, I wish that you'll drag both feet in bounds, swing on a full count, rip that puck, hit that putt, hit your PKs because they free and your free throws. Why toss? Get, they're free. Like they're free. They're free. They you have to hit them. They're free. Texas foot basketball. I almost said football, hit but your, I didn't. Hit your free throws. Come on, guys. We out here. We love you. We sitting here. I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe it?
play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Rebound box. Back out to Allen. History title. Back. Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Base is loaded. Two out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.